take your word, take the Bible, and let's go over to Joshua. Joshua, the 15th chapter. Yes. All right. Praise the Lord. Let's look here in Joshua, the 15th chapter. Joshua, the 15th chapter. Now, we're carrying on with our theme, which is we don't shrink back. Notice in the verse what happens that uh, there's a declaration that's made. Prior to this verse, in verse 38, he talks about those that are shrinking back. But we see what happens when we shrink back. We don't shrink back to perdition or destruction. See, what would happen if Andrea would have shrunk back on her promise? We wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be in this place at this time, in this season, in this hour. And I do believe with all of my heart, let's just, before we go any further, I just want to welcome the Holy Spirit right now. Father, we just love you. Come on now. Father, we love you. We love you, Lord, that we can step into the atmosphere of heaven. And, Lord God, we can bring heaven, Lord God, to earth. Lord, we can stand, O oh Lord God, in awe of your glory, your grace, and your mercy. I ask, Lord God, for the anointing, Lord God, the anointing, Lord God, the empowering of your spirit to crush yokes, open eyes, cause those, Lord God, that are lame to walk again, those, Lord God, who are discouraged to be encouraged. Holy Spirit, I, take, I pray, Father, that you would, Lord God, take over the entirety of this service today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. We don't shrink back. I want to talk to him about a man in the Word of God by the name of Caleb. First arrives on the scene as numbered with the spies that went over into the promised land. He originated in Egyptian bondage as the Israelite people were there. He was delivered, brought through the wilderness, and now he was appointed as head of his tribe. And as a head of this tribe, he was to go in and spy out the land with 11 others. The only other one that you probably recognize by name is Joshua. But he had to endure 40 years in the wilderness wandering because of the spies that refused to go in. Let me tell you what happens when you don't, uh, well, you don't fulfill your vows, when you don't continue in the path that God wants you to go on. It's not just you that loses out. There's a whole generation that lost out. But he moved forward, and he moved ahead, and he, he stayed the course. And now he is not the 40-year-old that he was or the 45-year-old he was when he went in the first time. He's now 85 years old. 85 years old, and he's been given a promise that there's a city in that place that belongs to him. And now we come to Joshua 15, and what we find out that is when he went into the city, the place, the city was sitting on a mountain, and he said, that one is mine. You boys and girls, back up. I saw this 40 years ago. You didn't see it. I was here. I saw it, and I want it. This one is mine. He went to Joshua, and he said, Joshua, you know I was there with you. You know the faithfulness that God put in me. You know very well that, that, that God has brought me this far. I'm as strong as I was at 85 than I was at 45. <laughs> he said, I've, I've got it in me. In fact, what I believe he was saying is my faith is as strong today as it was all the way back then. He said, now I can go out and I can come back in. 
He said, I've got the strength. I've got the strength. Now give me what I have been waiting on. Now we see here in Joshua 15 the realization of the promise. See, there's a promise that was given to him in a previous chapter, but he had the, he had the promise of it, but now he's about to obtain the realization of it. Too often we settle for just the promises of God spoken, but not the promises of God realized. That we can declare and quote the word of God, but are we living in that place God has intended for us to live? I'm saved. Are you? Are you sozoed? Are you set free? Are you delivered? Have you been put in a safe place? Have you experienced? I want you to look here in Joshua 15, 13, and 14. Now to Caleb, the son of Jephniah, he gave a share among the children of Judah. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely, Kerjeth Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak, father of a tribe of giants. And they named the city after him. Now it's named Hebron. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there. Shishiah, Ahama, and Talmiah, the children of Anak. So there is Caleb, and he takes hold of the city, but he's got to disinherit. He's got to, I was going to say disembowel, but <laughs> he, he's got he, to drive out some inhabitants in his place of promise. And the Lord had already forewarned them, told them, let them know that, look, you're going to step into this place, but there's going to be some giants that are in there, and this, the question is going to be in Deuteronomy 9, can anybody stand against these ones that are inhabiting the place that God has called us to inherit? And so just because there's inhabitants in your inheritance doesn't mean that God has thwarted his plan. He just means for you to stand up in the image and the knowledge of Christ and the word of God and walk as covenant people and do what he's already called you to do because he's already done it and go ahead and drive out the inhabitants that's in your place. Amen? So they're there in Hebron, or he's there at the city of Hebron. But let's rewind here and let's start back at the ten spies because what we find out is we need to know how how Caleb got to that place. It's good to celebrate where he's at at that moment, but let's do the backstory of how he got there, amen? Because we need to know how to get there. We need to know where we're at right now, where we've made the vow, what the next step is and the next step is so we can get to the place that God has called us and so we have Caleb here. He goes, into the, he goes into the land of promise. And now as they wander in and they search out the land, they come back with fruit of that land. As they walk out with the fruit of that land, there we see that there are ten spies in Numbers. Numbers, the, the 14th chapter, 13th chapter, and 14th chapter. We see that the spies come back and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, there's fruit in the land. There sure is. There's a lot of fruit. But let me tell you what there's also there. There's also strong cities and there's walled, there's, there's walled cities and there's giants. 
And there's all of these things that are, that are, that are taking place there. See, the ten spies, they acknowledged the fruit of the land. But what they ultimately did is they exposed the fruit in their heart. Anybody know the stories of the ten spies, the twelve spies? They go in, and when they go in, they come back, they bring a report. They go out for 40 days, and they search out the land to see whether or not God really does what he says he will do. See whether or not God really promised what he really promised. And so they go in and they spy out the land. They're searching about, and they come back. And they're like, yeah, the Bible says, and the Lord said, it's going to be a land that flows with milk and honey. Look, here's some of the fruit of that land. Here's the prosperity of that land. Here is what you can expect in that land. But, but there's all these inhabitants that are in the land. And so what they begin to expose is not just the fruit of the land. They expose the fruit of their heart. See, anytime you you can know a person's root by knowing their fruit, (laughs) and you can understand where they're going by what they're saying. You can understand the victory that you're going to live in by the words that you speak from your heart. And you might fake it for a minute, but let me tell you, out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will begin to give you away. (laughs) It'll begin to destroy the things that God wants to do in you. So they magnified the problems, and they were seeing the problems as greater than the God that they were serving. And in chapter 14, they began to sing the praise music of hell. You know what the praise music of hell is? Complaint. (laughs) They began to complain about the situation they were in, and it's amazing to me, amazing to me, that their plan of action, we're going to go recruit a leader, and we're going to go back to Egypt. I wouldn't want to be on that nominating ballot. But what is amazing to me is that they... They didn't, they said, you know, the Lord, why didn't he kill us in Egypt? Why didn't he kill us in the wilderness? I mean, the worst thing they were facing was death, and why not die trying, amen? But instead, they could have said, Lord, let us go back to the wilderness and live. No, they want to go all the way back to Egypt. They wanted to make their trek back to Egypt and come back under the heavy yoke and the tight-fisted control, the, the sadistic enemy, the, the satanic force of Pharaoh, and they wanted to go back under that yoke of bondage instead of stepping over into that place of promise. And so they made this declaration. You can find that at the last verse of chapter 13. Look, we can't, they said, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't do it. We can't do it. And they ultimately revealed the root that was bearing the fruit that they were professing. I said, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. Let's look at it. Look at it. Come on with me. Look at it. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. We are like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we are in their sights. 
You don't see the world as it is. You see the world as you are. I hope this is the anointing causing the holy hush in the house and not a dis- disconnect by the message. See, why were they defeated? Because they didn't realize the champion lived on the inside of them. They didn't realize the covenant-keeping God that they were serving. They didn't understand that from the very foundations of the world that God had created, he had already offered himself as the sacrifice needed for us to live in complete and total victory. They didn't understand. So what they did is they looked in the mirror and they saw themselves. Children of God, we should be looking in the mirror and seeing the image of Christ. See, because as we see the image of self, we're always working to the cross. We're always trying to be good enough. We're always trying to get to that place where God can now bless me. When the Lord is saying all the time, I've already blessed you, you need to look and see me when you you look at yourself. And now you step into that place. And when you stop seeing yourself, church, when you stop seeing yourself, church, as little grasshoppers, insignificant insects that can be stomped out and start seeing yourself through the eyes of the Lord God Almighty, mighty. Then all of a sudden they're like, there's something inside of them that's bigger than us. It's the covenant keeping God. It's the covenant keeping God. I've heard this this past week in a message I was Andrew and I were listening to on the road. So you know what? God is a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, hundred chances. The problem is we're only, we ourselves are only good for about two chances. And then we quit and give up because we conclude that, look, now I can't do it anymore because I failed twice. Let me tell you, humanity will always fail as long as they continue to walk in their own strength. It's only when you step into the relationship with Christ that you're able to do anything. Amen. So they complained. What was the ultimate cause of this root of What was the, the fruit they were bearing was evident, <clears throat> something that was rooted in them. And it was the distinction between the ten spies, Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says they had a different spirit, had a different attitude, a different behavior, a different, different desire, a different viewpoint, a different perspective, a different focus. What was the difference between Caleb and Joshua? See, the Bible tells us in Hebrews that they did not enter in because of unbelief. They had the belief in God. They just didn't have the belief of God in them. They had faith in God. They just didn't have faith in the God in them. They didn't have faith that God, but see, because they received the promises of God, but they didn't mix it with faith in him. See, because true, genuine, authentic faith that will not crumble under the weight on your shoulders. It is a faith that it attaches itself only to God. In fact, we if, if we could imagine God, the Lord Jesus Christ being a magnet, and folks, let me tell you, the only thing that would go back to him is in that magnitude, in that, the worst word I'm looking for, magnif- not magnification, but Magnetic, but there's another word. Attraction, something. I'll get it tomorrow morning when I wake up. 
There is a force in faith. And that force in faith it is the magnetism of that, of that property. And when that property becomes right, it will only attract to him. It will only start here and attract to him. Amen? So faith, faith, let me say to you, faith will only attach to Christ. True faith will only attach to Christ. When the Lord said it's impossible without faith, it is impossible to please me, what is he saying? You can't get to me unless you have faith in me. And that faith in me is attracted to me. It's not faith in your faith. It's not faith in your works. It's not faith in your circumstance. It's not faith in what you've done or what you haven't done. It is faith in my completed work. Amen? So they didn't mix the promises with faith. And thus they had no fruit. They had no results. So it was rooted in unbelief. That unbelief exposed itself in insecurity. Listen to me. Insecurity is not the new humility. Humility is so far removed from insecurity, insecurity can't even get in the yard. Because true humility is not walking around with your kick in the clods and talking about how much you can't do or wouldn't do or shouldn't do and how God, you know what I'm saying? Humility is an overwhelming consumption with the dependence upon an almighty God. And that overwhelming dependence upon an almighty God is what you live by because what you understand is I respond to God in the gift that he has given me called faith because if it wasn't faith to start with, there was no way we could get back to God. We respond to him in faith. He responds to us in grace. God resists those that believe they can do it on their own, and he gives grace to the humble who realize that I've got to have God, and I'm going to do what God tells me to do through the power of what God tells me to do, and now all of a sudden, you no longer you're no longer on the resistant side of God in pride. But now you're walking in humility, and that humility is releasing the response of God, which is grace in your life. Whew. Now, what does it mean to be insecure? It means literally not to be secure. You like that? Insecure, textbook definition, not firmly fixed. To be not firmly fixed. So there is the insecurity brings an instability. Where is the instability coming from? It's coming from a belief that you're sourcing this thing. It's coming from the ideology that you can't do this. Every time you hear a voice that I can't do, do this, you just say, oh, thank you, Jesus. I can do all things through him. So when, when you get to the place and you understand that insecurity is, is rooted in the fact that I'm not truly fixed in the area of Christ, in his completed work. But now we have Caleb. 
Caleb was not of the same spirit. Caleb had a different spirit. And that spirit that Caleb had was one that said, yeah, we can do it. Don't be afraid of what you're looking at because you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the, the enemies. They are, he said, they're like bread. Let's, let's saddle up to the, let's, saddle, let's sit down at the table and let's just devour them. God has taken all of their strength from them. They are nothing in comparison to God. What did Caleb do? He fixed himself in the Lord. He decided that, wait a minute, let's look at the fruit of our God. Let's look at the evidence that's before us, guys. Don't you remember when we were in bondage back there? Do you know how we got out of that bondage? We got out of that bondage by the blood of the Lamb. We did not free ourselves. We could only cry to the one who had the ability to free. All we did was just cry out to God, and God brought a deliverer, and that deliverer led us to the blood of the Lamb. And when that blood was shed now, my God, we're no longer under the tight-fisted tyranny of a cruel taskmaster. We are now stepping in to relationship with a living God, and he has brought us out of that bondage. Woo! What he's done is indication of what he's doing. If he's ever done it before, he'll do it again because the ability to do it is already in him. Caleb's like, I'm going to fix myself here. This is where I'm fixed. Hot on the knowledge of the situation, I'm not going to let the situation determine my theology. I'm going to let the theology determine my situation. My understanding of God. He shows us there in the Word. It's like, guys, look, look, look. In fact, the rabbinical teaching says this. It's, it's rabbinical teaching. It's not inspiration. It's just something that's just fun to think about. It was Caleb that insisted, according to rabbinical teaching, it was Caleb that insisted that they bring fruit back to the Israelites because he had already sensed their fear. This is rabbinical teaching. He had already sensed their fear and had an indication which way this vote was going to go. He already had, he, he could already sense through their behavior where they were leaning toward. And he, in fact, he was so emphatic about it that the Bible, that the rabbinical priest, they drew, he said they drew his sword and he said, if we don't take this fruit, there's going to be a duel to the death. Because he wanted to bring the fruit back to say, look, this is the fruit of God. And the fruit of the promise of God is rooted in him. And I want that fruit. I don't want your fruit. And so let's go in and conquer the land. Because if he's done it before, he has ever intent to do it again. Amen? Brought them through the wilderness. Guys, where did you think that bread came from every day? Where did you think that quail came from every evening? Where in the world did you think? Why in the world did you think we didn't get, we didn't shrivel up like, a, like prunes or raisins because there was a cloud covering us, protecting us from the heat? Why did we freeze to death in the wintertime? Because there was a pillar of cloud of fire by night keeping us warm. Come on. There's a light into our path. What God's done before, he's going to do. Look at the proof. Has God ever brought you out of anything? 
Have you ever, ever, ever been had a victory in your life that is an indication of what God is going to continue to do? He has not changed his mind. He is still going. He fixed himself. He said, I want Hebron. I want Hebron. That's, that's my place. It's, my, it's on that mountain. I've seen it, and I want it. Hebron was a place where Abram stationed himself. Hebron is where the angel visited, and Lot was taken out of bondage. It was in Hebron that Abraham's name was changed to Abraham. It was at Hebron where he received the promise of a son. It was Hebron where Abraham was buried. They thought, well, if my daddy's buried there, Isaac was buried there. Isaac, well, if I'm going to be buried there, Jacob's going to bury me there too. So the patriarchs were buried in Hebron. There is Caleb. He's like, I want to live in the place where the promises are buried. I want to live in the place where I'm reminded day after day of the promise that God made to Abraham, the promise that God made to Isaac, the promise that God made to Jacob, because I'm going to live in a place of promise. The distinction between, the distinction between the ten spies and Joshua and Caleb was they fixed themselves on the promises of God. And they begin to make declaration according to those promises. I want to say to the church in this hour that we're living, it is time that you begin to declare the promises of God from a seat of faith. I believe it is time because we understand the worlds were framed by what? The Word of God. So if you can see it, it only is in existence by by the fact that God had spoken it. There was nothing but darkness in in the creation story. But when God began to speak, all of a sudden the worlds came into existence. Hear me. Your world spiritually will come into existence as you begin to declare. If you begin to declare yourself healed if you begin to declare yourself free because you will move, church, in the direction that you declare. You can declare yourself sick, get up in the morning, I don't really feel right. I don't really feel good. And that declaration can start a process in your body. And by the end of the day, guess what? You're laid up in the bed ready ready for dead because you have declared those things, thus releasing something in your life. Amen? This sounds a whole lot like word of faith. Let me tell you, we should have faith in the word. Amen? But see, that's why we, the method we use for healing is because we know how to be sick, but we don't always know how to be healed. And so when we pray and we see activity of the Spirit in the body, I've watched this over and over and over again. When I begin to declare by the word of God, I am healed. Welcome the Holy Spirit into the circumstance. And now all of a sudden, something begins to take place. 
I don't think Kevin would mind me saying this, but Kevin walked in on a Sunday morning. His head was laid back on that seat right there. And I went over to Kevin, and I said, Kevin, what's going on? What's the matter? He said, I looked at his face, and I said, in my spirit, I was like, whoa. But what happened is he, he was suffering from Bell's palsy, and he was in horrific pain. He had a crushing headache, and he sat there on the pew. And his face was, one side of his face was drooped. Then he came down to the altar, and, and we prayed. We gathered around him and prayed, and Kevin got up, and I said, Kevin, you feel any better? I said, no. Or he said, no. I said, well, let's pray again. So we stopped what we were doing. We prayed for the Holy Spirit. I said, let's attack the pain. So we prayed over the pain in his head. This is just a few weeks ago. We prayed over the pain in his head. He looked up in his eyes. One eye was open. The other one still drooped. I said, do you feel anything? Anything change? He said, yeah, the pain is gone. The group that was, you guys remember, your group was sitting around. Well, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, faith started elevating. I said, well, let's pray again. So we prayed again. God is my witness. We prayed again. Faith had been elevated. And in the process of declaring the healing touch of God, inviting the Holy Spirit, his face began to straighten just a little bit, just a little bit more than what it was. By the end of the service, Kevin can come up and witness this, bear witness to this and tell you if I'm lying or not. Before the end of the service, his face was already almost back to normal. See, when we pray for you and I'm asked for an honest answer, we're not going to fake it. I just want an honest answer. I don't have all the answers, but I know he's the answer. Amen? And what I have discovered is when we take out the, the idea that we've got to do something or we're not worthy of it, and we get all that nonsense out of the way, and we stop, we stop declaring how feeble and how no good we are and how worthless and how undeserving we are, and we just come to God and we say, Lord, I want you to heal me, and then I'm going to manage that healing. I want you to heal me, that I want to manage that healing. And as we come to the Lord and we receive those things, now, and I ask people, what percentage are you better? And there's many times they'll say 10%, 15%, 50%, 80%. And folks, when we went down to Puebla, Lance Brauner sprang his ankle. He came off of a, a ledge, and when he hit, it was like, ooh, I knew that hurt. He went into, the, we, we carried him over, sat in a chair, and he sat in that chair. And as he was praying, he was doing that very thing. He was welcoming God. So I went in and I said, Lance, how are you? He said, I'm about 80% better. <laughs> and he walked out of there, got on the bus, and we went back to the hotel. Are you listening to me? Amen? We move in the direction we declare. What are you declaring over your life? Are you fixed in God? Are you fixed in his promises? Are you declaring life and peace and joy? Are you declaring that you are his and none other? Amen? See, they declared defeat and they were defeated. He declared victory and he was victorious. Now let me help you here. Let me help you with the declaration. I'm going to tap this up and give it to you. You're probably going to hear it service after service. And whether you get tired of it or not, I don't care. I just want you to begin to declare it. I want you to declare it. Is there power in declaration? Is there power in declaring? 
if I would have continued in the path that was going on as a cocaine drug addict, drunkard, I was going to end up in a place of self-destruction. My kids would not be in ministry. My children would not be saved. There, there was nothing. Most likely, we wouldn't have made it to the long haul because ultimately, I would have self-destruct. Ended up in the path, potentially, that, that my forefathers had ended up in. But the Lord gave me a vision from an early age as a child, even before I even knew him. I wanted better for my children than I had for myself. And so my salvation experience wasn't just based on me. And once I accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, I knew that I had a, 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 a responsibility for my children. I knew, parents, I want you, my God, you better listen to me. If you want to understand the heart of God, you must understand that it is your responsibility to foster and to nourish the call of God in the lives of your children. I'm responsible as a father, as a mother, to nurture, to recognize, and to live the life before them. You cannot decide in the moments where the waters are not troubled, and you're going to decide, wait, I'm just going to hang out today. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm tired. The week is to consume me, and I'm just not going to go, and I'm not going to pursue. You better get to the place, church, where you're going to be as faithful faithful as you want them to be faithful, that you're going to commit to the level you want them to commit, that you're going to read the Bible as often as you want them to read the Bible, that you're going to pray as often as you believe they are to read the, read the Bible or pray. Hear me, my God, we have forfeited generations because we've lived in the land of comfort and peace, and that's the gospel we've received. But we're not in that day anymore. We're in a day right now that, my God, he's going to raise up some warriors of Christ who have hearts of fathers and mothers, and they're going to storm the enemy, and they're going to say, I'm not going to shrink back. I am not shrinking back. You giants, you're going to get out of my way because God's already declared I'm going to be an OGK, an original giant killer. Not the original gangster, but the original giant killer. She and I became, in our generation, OGKs, original giant killers. And I told suicide, you've gone far enough. You ain't getting past me. I told depression, you've gone far enough. You ain't getting past me. I told abuse, you will not enter into my house. I told bitterness and unforgiveness and, and all the other isms that you are not getting across that threshold. Well, we're changing course. Changing course. Let me tell Y'all get me all stirred up now. Let me talk to those who didn't live the life before your children. Let me tell you those that didn't live that life. God restores. He restores. But he is also a God of restitution. In other words, he doesn't just get you on a level playing ground. He restores to you. He brings reciprocity. He brings restoration. He brings rest restitution. 
He brings back all of those lost years that the locust has eaten. But see, it depends upon you. If you want restoration with your children that you didn't live the life before, you got to make the decision. You got to cross the line in the sand. You got to step over. And from that moment, you start being as faithful as you want them to be faithful. You start committing yourself to the level you want them to commit to. You start reading the word as often as you want them to read it. You start praying as often as you believe that they should be praying. Compromise as much as you want to, but you're going to destroy the future generation. There were 10 spies that went back and there was an they died immediately. That wasn't the tragedy of the story. The tragedy of the story is the ones they convinced by their declaration they died in the wilderness. So, decoration determines my destiny. The only way I can truly honestly declare, I retract that. If I will begin to declare, I will begin to de- change the course in which I'm moving on. Now, this is not, understand, this is not hokey-jokey, and this is not superstition. This is a reframing of our minds, a renewing of our minds. It is to be fixed on God. Can I say this? It is a fixation on God. Something happens when we give way to God and we we move an inch in faith. He he brings a mile of grace. And we move another inch in, in faith and God brings another mile of grace. And he begins to alter and he begins to change the way we see ourselves because now all of a sudden we're, we're, we're not who we were. See, she can talk about the cocaine head self-destructing Mike Sanders, and I'm like, man, I feel sorry for that guy. Why? Because he was, he was bound. Why do, I look, why do I say that? Because he's dead. I've been to his funeral. He doesn't exist anymore. So when I come to God, hear me, hear me, hear me. When I come to God, all of a sudden my history book changes. <laughs> we stop the history of Mike's self-destructing drug addict. Who knows what else he would get into live, given the length and the opportunity. He is dead, buried. He, he, he doesn't have a voice in this future. He's dead. And now God has just, he automatically infuses a new history in me. And that new history starts uh, not from the foundation of time, but it carries us all the way to the cross. Uh, and when I died, he died, I died with him. Uh, but my God, when he rose, I rose with him. Uh, and now I live according to what he says, not what I say. So how important is declaration? It is extremely important. Because what we see is we are... By your words, you are justified, or by your words, you're condemned. (laughs) I just don't feel 
We don't deny the facts. Truth is stronger than fact. Start declaring yourself healed. You're going to closer to being healed if you start declaring healing than you are declaring sickness. You're tired of being sick, then start declaring healing. Amen? I'm going to give you some declarations. In fact, I want to do it this way. I want you to recite with me. This is going to be our, this is going to be our, our lesson for the day. I am a child of the Most High God. Let me say it. Did you respond? Okay? Listen. Let's, let's do it right. Do it right. I'm going to say it, and then you're going to respond with those words. Okay? I am a child of the Most High God. I am righteous in him. You start to feel a little bit better right now? I have other world peace through him. I am a joint heir with Christ. Jesus is my friend. I can do all things through him. And I will not attempt to do anything without him. He is my Lord, my Savior, my King, and my God. I have buried my insecurities in the graveyard of unbelief. Fear has no place to land in my heart. Lies are banished from this dwelling. I live as one in Christ, righteous, resurrected, rested, and rewarded. Rested and rewarded. I live complete in him. Lack has lost its place in me. For my sufficiency is in Christ alone. My body is whole. My mind is clear. My life is purposeful. Jesus is my joy. I hear his voice. I obey his commands. I welcome his will. Now let me just ask you. Do you feel the lift in the room? Do you feel the, the rising? What if we live by that? What if we start saying it long enough, we start believing it? What if we get so sick and tired of being sick and tired, we start moving in a different direction? And we start moving in a direction of, of, of the hell's going to the, the world's going to the hell in the handbasket and start talking about the revival that God's bringing upon the land. How about we stop putting our trust in, in, in things that, that, that are only temporary and start putting our trust in things that are eternal? Why don't we stop? See, Caleb didn't, he didn't go out saying, I'm still in bondage. He said, I'm free. I am free. I'm a freeborn son of the Most High God, and I will live as such. I'm not going to live there anymore. See, but on the reciprocal side, Caleb's descendants inherited his inheritance. And his daughter was such a, saw the faith in her daddy. He said, next person takes that hill, I'm going to give you my daughter. 
his half-brother. He conquered the hill, and so she came back to her dad and said, Daddy, I got this hill, and I thank you for it. But I need a spring of water, too. <laughs> I, I don't just want the, the, the kingdom, the hill. I, I, want the, I want the life source so I can keep moving, keep living, keep producing. I said, oh, daughter, you know those daughters and granddaughters? They just wrap you around that little finger, and you just do what they ask. Sure, baby, you can have it. It's yours. It's your inheritance. You can have it. And now that generation just continued on. But then there was a young tribal member by the name of David. He came in and began to rule in the kingdom. He must have heard about the old GK. (laughs) Because he made his first headquarters... Hebron, where he ruled for seven years. The OGK. The OGK. I might get my own T-shirt thing going. The OGK. I'm looking into the eyes of some original giant killers in this house who understand because you are fixed. You're fixed, and your fixation is God. And you're declaring, and in that declaration, your destiny is being laid out before you one step at a time. One step at a time. Stand in this house. The response to this message, worship team, make your way up. See the Hebrews tells us that the promises were not were not accompanied by faith. See the power in declaration is attaching that declaration to faith. There's nothing I've read to you today that is anti-scriptural. It's all biblically based. You can get scripture reference for every, everything that I just said to you. And see, when you start attaching, see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The more you hear yourself declare, the more you're going to begin, your faith is going to be, begin to build in that. And now you're going to begin to move in a different direction. See, there was, I came into the kingdom of God and I had to come to the resolve that, wait a minute, I can't keep, I can't keep this stuff active here and keep living. Long before my children were born, I was already praying for my children and my, God caused that prayer to be time travelers to reach them at a place that they would come to the knowledge. But, but I, there was some things that I, even though I had a new history in Christ, I had to the Lord had to expunge that history in me so that I stopped drawing from that history because I have a new heritage. I came from a long line of losers, amen. I came from a long line of individuals that were self-destructed by behavior and each generation got a little worse than the last generation and it just that was that was the old man, but when I died, 
in Christ, I came alive in Christ, and now, now I, I don't have, that's not my heritage anymore. My heritage is what he says, and my, my history is what his history, and now all of a sudden, because I understand I have new heritage and I have a new history, I have brand new habits, and my habits are not self-destructive, and my vision is not self-destructing. And we must look at insecurity, church, as blatantly destructive as adultery, as drug abuse, as murder, because what insecurity is doing, it it is killing the cause of Christ in the world today. The insecurity that wants to mask itself as humility is destroying the work of God because we are looking at ourselves as God will do it for someone else, but he won't do it for me. And so we find ourselves in hiding instead of releasing the word of God in our life and standing in the boldness and drawing from the source that is already there. Guys, go ahead and start playing if you will. Lift your hands to heaven and make this, make this commitment with me. Make this commitment with me right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, I'm asking for your destiny. I'm asking that I would move into your destiny, that I would live in your destiny. By the declaration, I will prove my belief. I will not deny the facts. But I will declare the truth, and the truth of God will make me free, will make me free in the name of Jesus. It'll make me free from sin. It'll make me free from sickness. It'll make me free from Satan. I am free. I declare myself free in the name of the Lord. I will declare the promises of God, and thus I will walk in them. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah! 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 One last thing before we we move to announcements and close the service. One way you could help yourself do a little less of this. A little more of this. Let me me tell you what I mean by that. You don't know how dangerous it is when you come in here and you start singing these songs. What you're doing is you're making declaration. You're making declaration. It's a beautiful thing if you understand it. You're declaring. When you start worshiping, what what are you doing? You're declaring. So let me encourage you to spend more time in worship in your weekly walk, not just on Sunday morning, Wednesday night. And see, Caleb was the head of the tribe of praise. That's your heritage, amen? Because you are a new creature in Christ. Does this help anybody? God bless you. My intended purpose, Andrew, and our intended purpose, our God call is to equip you for the work of the Father's business. That's what, that's all, that's what drives us. So let me just keep encouraging you. Amen.
some announcements today. We've got an announcement to make. I held the announcement until they had an opportunity to tell the youth themselves. But with sad hearts, we're saying to you today that Devin and Bella are going to be moving away from us. They're going to Colorado. And so uh, we're going to we're gonna have some more time with them. Uh, first week in November will be the last Sunday here. But we just want to say thank you for the investment and what you've done. But we want to build upon that, and we want to continue to grow because we believe in this generation. So if you've wondered why did we do the shift in the Wednesday service, this is the reason why. We're going to have a... We have now a 6 to 7 o'clock adult service. And I'm going to go over, and there's a team of people that are meeting with me today. You know who you are. I need, need to meet with you in the conference room. Meet me there right after service for just a quick meeting. But I'm going to go over, and from 7 to 8, I'm going to be pouring in, along with this team, into the youth. But I don't want to limit the reach of the youth just in this house. I want, your, I want your children to come. I want your students to come. But there's a lot of students in our community that have no idea who they are and who they're meant to be. And I want to reach them and not just reach them, but I want to pour into them the reality of Christ in their life and what God has in store and how that you can leave the old and step into the new and their future to be changed other than the destruction that has been put and modeled before them. Amen? Amen. So what I'm asking you to do is partner with me, partner with this church because our heart is for the next generation. It's not just our four and no more. It is all the children, this community, it's generations to follow. And I believe that God is going to make some alterations in the generations. All he's looking for, he's looking throughout the whole earth, just trying to find somebody whose heart is after his heart. And when he finds that somebody's, he'll pour his spirit in and lives will be changed. Amen? So that's the reason for the Wednesday service. Now on the 8th, now after, from the seven o'clock hour in the sanctuary Patricia Wilson is leading intercessory prayer and that is equally as important for what we're doing over there what we're doing here and what we're doing in the community that we would intercede and call out to God for the things and the strategies that the Lord has it begins and it continues and strengthened by prayer so maybe you don't want to crawl up the stairs and be a part of that, but you can be a part of this. You can come and pray in agreement and see God begin to transform lives and communities. Now, October the 14th is one of my most exciting days of the year. This is going to be the empty nesters at the Bainey Farm. I look forward to that year after year, and I think I think Richard and Jackie for inviting us. That's going to be at 5 o'clock at the Bainey Farm. Also, there's going to be Hispanic Outreach Sunday, October the 15th, following the service. And Liz Divig is leading that, and she can speak more to that to, to those that would like to participate. Also, if you want to register for the upcoming uh, DSOM or, or I don't know what we're calling it now, the 
study group, the credentialing study group, enrichment group, that's going to be uh, meet in room 103 right now, uh, right after the service today. Light for the Lost Banquet, we'll tell you more about that. That's going to be October the 17th. Come and be a part of that. And uh, that's going to be on a Tuesday night. We're supplying fish free of charge. And I want you to come out and hear the Light for the Lost presentation. It'll be at 6 o'clock. There's another announcement I'm missing, but I, I don't know what it is. I want to ask, Kulang, where are you at? Kulang, come. I want you to dismiss us in prayer. What is that? Oh, dinner and mystery. My sorry. I'm, my sorry. <laughs> October the 20th, 6 to 8. This is our ladies' uh, flourish group. They're going to be meet, meeting there. There's a sign-up sheet in the in the foyer. You're going to have a great time. You need to be a part of this. These ladies have uh, a wonderful time together. Kunle's going to come and dismiss us today in prayer. God bless you. Thank you for being here. In Jesus' name, the Almighty Father, we thank you this afternoon. We bless your holy name. We thank you for your word in the mouth of your Son, you have given to us today. We pray, O oh Lord, this will not be the last time you speak to us in Jesus' name. Your word will not dry in this house in Jesus' name. You continue to minister to our heart and we remain pleasant children before you in Jesus' name. As we are going on, go with us. And when we meet again, we meet with your mighty power in Jesus' name. Thank you, the Almighty Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.